salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. And if you can hear the fireworks behind me, um, you will know that I've left uh, recording this very late. So it's, I think it's Diwali here. And, um, and so there's fireworks going off and uh, the podcast is due out on Sunday, 7 a.m. in the UK. It's uh, 12 hours before then. And I realized that I haven't, I hadn't recorded an intro um so this is the intro to the podcast joining me on this week's podcast um is Sayed Hussein Maki who was on a few months ago um we spoke about unifying your will with the will of Allah that was episode 102 um do check it out if you haven't already heard that episode um, but he's back he was um, gracious enough to agree to join us again um and this week having quite a different conversation we were talking about so in fact, he's he started a course um, working with with people on a kind of one to one basis, um, dealing with kind of issues of of and notions of masculinity. Um, we'll have the link in the description. You can check it out and whatever else. But I, I I got in touch with him and said, you know, would you be interested in in doing something along the lines of looking at the sort of uh, understanding masculinity as a whole and, and, and presenting, I guess, from his perspective, what the sort of uh, blueprint is for masculinity. Um, so it was a bit of a tall order, but I, I, I thought he, he would be able to do that for us. Um, and it was a very fascinating conversation, um, as always. And and yeah, do check it out. I uh, hope you enjoy the, the episode. Before that, very quickly, if you're a regular subscriber, and I know we have very many, um, because within the first 24 hours, usually we have at least three to 400 people have listened to the podcast. Um, so please, you guys, especially if you're listening to this on a, on a Monday or a Sunday, um, like the first Monday or Sunday, subsequent ones as well, but generally you people, um, please do, like, if you're on Apple podcasts, especially, can you give it a five star rating and write a really nice review as well? Um, I don't mind four stars and a nice review. Um, but I prefer five stars, obviously. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're willing to do that, that'd be really great, really help us. And um, be sure to tell your friends and family and whoever else and share this podcast and every other podcast with with, with everyone. Um, yeah, that's it. Enjoy. Here's my conversation with Said Hussein Maki. Salam Hussein. Alaikum salam. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining us again on the podcast. Um, my pleasure. So I think back by popular demand a little bit, uh, there's there's been a lot of uh, there was a lot of interest around the last conversation that we had, um, and I hope you'll 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 make my life easier this time. Like I mentioned to you just <laughs> beforehand, you you have this like straight face when I'm talking. I don't know if you're like you, you like what I'm saying, okay. if it's a good question, if it's a bad question. <laughs> I'll so, try smile a bit more. Then. Yeah, yeah, just just nod and you know be a bit more. Um, okay. But no, okay. thank you for coming back. I know obviously you're you're, you're incredibly busy um, with your studies and everything else, so it's a pleasure to have you here on a. Monday morning. Uh, this is actually the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast yeah, in the week. Yeah, I had to, man. <laughs> you wanted to come in earlier. You were like, oh, can I come in at nine, maybe? You know, yeah. So we're here. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so today's conversation, I think, is going to be quite different. Um, and I think the idea for this from, from my side came from this uh, course that you started running um, called Spiritual Warrior. Um, and I think, you know, we wanted to, or, or I, I bumped into you a couple of weeks ago and, and there we had a very brief chat and I said, you know, it would be nice to kind of put together a blueprint of masculinity, which I think is uh, a big ask, definitely within like the space of an hour, an hour and a half. But if anyone can do it, I think you can. I'll try. <laughs> um, 
So <laughs> let's start with uh, the, the, the course itself that you're offering. Um, I think the interesting thing from my side is why did you feel that there was a need for something like this? Um, so over to you. Yes. Um, well, the course is called the Spiritual Warrior Program. It's a mentorship course and a life coaching course. Um, and it's initially a four-week program. And each week I have a session with the individual that I am mentoring. And the reason why I wanted to begin this course was to teach a man how to be a man. Because many of our men are still in boy psychology. And we can speak a bit more about that if you want. And um, we're not in man psychology. And a lot of this information is taken from the book King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by George Gillette and Robert Moore, which I really recommend to uh, men and women to read uh, for men to learn about these archetypes and for women to know about them and hold hopefully their significant other to a higher standard. So each week I introduce one of those archetypes and we identify the shadow forms of the archetype the negative forms, and then the mature masculine forms that we want to tap into, that energy, mm. and how to do that, and how to get away from the shadow forms, right? And of course, if the person is a Muslim, which is my uh, priority, really, the audience that I want to prioritize, then I can use the archetypes in Islamic figures in history, from prophets to imams who exemplify these archetypes in the best of ways to the maximum potential. Um, primarily, Imam Ali, Ali ibn Abi Talib, the fourth Khalifa in the Sunni tradition and the first Imam in the Shia tradition. Uh, so he exemplifies these four archetypes, the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. And I introduced that to them and how to tap into that energy. So um, the reason why I wanted to do this primarily is because one of the main reasons why men right now are lost and don't really know how to be men, don't know where to start from, why we even need a blueprint for masculinity, why we don't know how to be masculine, is because our traditional civilization has eroded over time. And traditionally, in our tribes, men were always initiated into manhood. There was always a mentorship. There was always a tribal leader or leaders. There was always a mentor. So if your father couldn't mentor you, there was always someone in the village who could. And right now, we don't have that. We don't have mentorship. We don't have leadership. We have business coaches, right? They teach us how to become rich. They teach us how to make money. We don't have someone teaching us how to be men. And uh, this is something I feel that I learned after I traveled and spent almost a decade amongst sages who taught me this sacred knowledge as well as me reading widely and understanding different archetypes um, that Carl Jung introduced and, and seeing how this was part of the what he calls the collective unconscious of all men and seeing it inherent in Islam as well, in the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, in masculine names and feminine names and everything else. So I wanted this to be one of the ways in which it could be an initiation for, from boy psychology to man psychology. And please do not misunderstand, a 50-year-old man can still be in boy psychology. So some people think that it's for teenagers. It's not. A 40-year-old... In fact, most of the, the problems coming from men today are from the older men who are still in boy psychology. That's why we have these crazy 
Uh, I'll talk about statistics later if yeah. you want, but yeah. But I, I, I was reading something um, around uh, the, the, the the book and the whole concept behind um, King, Magician, Warrior and Lover. Mm. And and it was talking about switches that that boys need to take into kind of unlocking men's psychology, if that makes sense. Yes. And that there are like pivotal moments and, and changes that need to take place. And I think it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, 50 year olds, for example, can be instilling that boy psychology. Um, it makes sense, right? If you if you don't um, step up essentially at, at key moments in your life and, and you don't start perceiving things differently because there, there are switches. And I think generally it's, it's interesting because anyone that's been through anything significant like getting married or having a kid or starting to work or whatever else, taking on some sort of responsibility, it's like you can still do that in a very childlike state. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes, you can indeed. you can do it and and I like that. It's good. You you you're responsive this time. <laughs> um but no, you, you can you can still do it and and not appreciate the the importance and the gravitas of what you're doing and the role that you've been given now as a as a father It's not even can. I'd say that's what's happening. Mm. That's why right now we are in what I call a crisis mm. of masculinity. This is what's happening. Uh, families are being raised with absent fathers whether he is physically absent or physically present, but still absent. And then the children, both the boys and the girls, are suffering psychologically. They suffer their entire lives because he wasn't able to truly give them what they needed of his emotion, of his teachings, of his wisdom. And then they carry that on into their lives and their marriages. And we see what's happening right now. Um, I want to share these statistics here from so people can check this out online from uh, World our world in data.org or family law attorneys, uh, Wilkinson and Finkbeiner. So these are just two of the surveys that I wanted to introduce, but there are several online. Here it's saying about the traditional family, 60% of couples married between ages 20 and 25 will end in divorce in today's modern society. Since 1972, marriage rates in the US have fallen by 50%. Marriage rates have fallen by 50% and are currently at their lowest in recorded history. Pornography addiction was a factor in 56% of divorces. This is an addiction that grown men, 30, 40, 50 year olds still suffer from because they're still in boy psychology. Mm. Only those kinds of people are addicted to something like pornography. Religious belief makes you 14% less likely to divorce. Whilst no religious affiliation makes you 14% more likely to get divorced. And we live right now in a faithless world. People don't want to have any association with religion. These are just random statistics that I want to just bring forth to show that the traditional family structure is being eroded right now. The, the world as a sacred world has been pulverized. People now uh, don't even understand what the sacred means. It was once upon a time just like the air we breathed the sacred world. Now we don't have that anymore. The final sacred institution in society right now is the family. That's the final surviving sacred institution of the traditional human race, the mother, the father, and the child. And that now is also being eroded. That's in great risk because the father doesn't know how to be a father. The mother, because of the father's insecurity and cluelessness, no longer knows how to be a mother. She doesn't know what to do now. She saw that man rebelled against God, so she rebelled against man. And now she's all over the place and he's all over the place. And unfortunately, the kid has no one to raise him or her. Mm. So the kid doesn't know what to do. And they grow up. They don't know how to engage in a proper marriage or relationship. They don't know how to raise kids. And then we are in the problem that we are in today.
the modern problem. So the, uh, as you're putting it, the the kind of the essence of um, maintaining that kind of almost equilibrium in society for like a moral good society um, has or is being eroded and, and in part down to things like the family structure yes. uh, disappearing. Yes, and at the essence of this, one of the main reasons is the death of masculinity and the death of femininity as well in the woman. But that's a different topic. So, so I'm thinking about, because you mentioned these like rites of passage that, that young boys had to go through. And, and it's still prevalent today in some societies, but very few. But it's something that you hear about quite a lot. So, so the first one that comes to mind is um, the uh, ancient Greeks, the, the Spartans. Yeah. How they would, uh, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But they would leave a boy in, in the wild for a few years or whatever and if he would come back alive then he would be welcomed in society otherwise he would be banished or he would have died already um that's my my, my classical studies degree coming in handy actually or, or it, I, to be fair i remember that more from the movie than yeah, my i think the movie exaggerated a little bit yeah but, yeah, but no, but yeah you're right that, that's kind of the point of what we're saying here but but the, so, so what's what's happened to that because I, I think it's interesting when you look at when you look at society today um the the everything's all over the place yeah. in terms of like masculinity and how we perceive these things. Like the only, the only times that we talk about masculinity, I think is in the context of toxic masculinity or hyper-masculinity. It's never assessed and looked at for itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the notion. See, that's itself, the funny thing. Yeah. Define toxic masculinity. Um, uh, like what? D dictionary definition? Like what is the definition of it? People always throw that word around yeah. as if it was an axiom. You see, what happens is when you start saying toxic masculinity as an axiom, it's almost like you're associating masculinity itself. With toxicity. Yes. But then what's toxic femininity? Mm. They would be the same thing. Those that's are the what, shadow uh, forms yeah. of the archetype. But that's the point. What I'm trying to say is the shadow forms of the archetypes, if you want to call them toxic, fine. I don't usually use that. But the, the shadow forms, that's what we're addressing. The shadow form of the king, the shadow form of the warrior, the shadow form of the magician, the shadow form of the lover is that toxicity. And we're trying to rectify that. But the mature masculine is not toxic. The mature masculine is what the female is actually attracted to. That's what she wants in her husband. The honorable, the decisive, the strong, the protective. She's attracted to that, biologically speaking. So so I, we, 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 we've spoken about these four different types and I think it would be good to be able to discuss them. And then also, like you mentioned, the shadow forms or the negative forms of them. So maybe if we take them one by one sure. and kind of um, just understand the framework. Because I think, as you said, um, I don't know if we said it at the beginning or before the podcast, there's so much to discuss on this topic that it might need a part two. We might not even get around to doing everything. But I think... As a starting point, just being able to outline the framework, because as I said, I wanted like a blueprint for masculinity. Like, like you know, what? Where are, do we begin? Yeah, men who are listening to this and and, and the four different um, archetypes that you mentioned, mm. I guess the the desire is is for, sorry, um, the desire is for like an, an equilibrium of some sort between the four, right? Yes. So it's not leaning towards one because because even like when you talk about warrior and obviously we'll get into it but like warrior you have guys who like working out and doing all of that kind of stuff but then don't have the the balance with the love yeah so the, there are people who have natural dispositions towards one of the archetypes yeah. that's normal you know that's that's really um, what we all go through when you read through the book or when you listen to the podcast or get to know these archetypes you'll always find one that you feel like you have you can vibe the with. most exactly yeah. um, like when i was younger 
I would say I was much more of a warrior than I am now. I'd say as I grew up, I gravitated a lot more to being a magician mm. and then hopefully trying to bring an equilibrium to them. But naturally, when I was young, I was more of a warrior. And that isn't so much a good thing when the warrior doesn't have the magician with him. The magician is, is basically the knowledge seeker, right? The, the one of thoughtfulness and reflection and contemplation. Then the warrior can make a lot of mistakes. Mm. The warrior is the one with the energy and motivation, but he doesn't think much. Right, so you can jump into something and not think yeah. much. So you need all of them at an equilibrium, really. But even at the highest level, someone can still be going into the shadow forms day to day. We fall into the shadow forms day to day. That's why this is so important to know. That's why it's so important to know because once we identify the shadow forms, then we can realize when we fall into them in our daily lives and know, okay, I'm falling into this right now. I need to snap out of it because I know what I'm going through right now. Mm. I know the kind of patterns, the behavior, the destructive behavior that I'm engaging in right now. It's the shadow form of this or that, this type of architecture, I'm moving out of it. I'm gonna go into the mature masculine version of whatever the shadow form is. That's why it's so important. I think, I think that's really interesting because we, we don't often see, don't worry about it, that's fine. We don't often see the, like, because you know, you have, so, so I, I think if I'm not mistaken, this, you know, the personality test that we have, introvert, extrovert, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. A lot of that is, that is, is, is uh, has kind of come to us through works of Carl Jung and, and his uh, infrastructure for psychology and all this kind of stuff. So it's quite instrumental. But I think a lot of that at times is also seen as like a, a, a passive reality. Whereas when it comes to things like masculinity, as you say, it's always active, right? Because you've always got your, like the ideal state that you want to be in, and then you've got the negative form of it. And, and you're, you're never in one place. You're constantly moving like we are as people. And, and like you said, which is really important, is, is number one, understanding and being aware of these things. Because I think if you're not aware, then obviously you can't even identify when you're moving into a more uh, negative state of mind. So um, I, I think that let's, let's run through them. Yeah. So we'll start and, with and, King. And, and men want this right now. They want, they, they're hungry for it because it's giving them meaning. It resonates with them mm. because they can feel their emptiness. They know there's something missing in their lives. They're empty. That's why right now you see the rise of someone like Jordan Peterson. He's selling out shows all over the world and the audience is predominantly men. Like that doesn't usually happen. They don't pay to sit down and hear someone speak. And usually when I give lectures, I'd always 70% of the audience, 80% is always women. That's why the women's section is always so much greater than the men's section. The men's, you, you've seen it when you go to the mosque or anyone, the, mo the men's section is always a lot less than the women's section in terms of people in attendance. But here you find people are paying hundreds of dollars to go listen to what it means to have meaning as a man, what it means to be a man and how to be a man. Mm. And that's why these books, I can't emphasize how important they are. I can't emphasize it enough to young men to read these books, find mentors. Mentor, mentorship is extremely important too. And Robert Greene speaks about this in his book, Mastery. Um, there's a chapter on mentorship that's so important about finding a mentor and a master to study under. And that's, one of, that's under one of the archetypes as well. But if you wanna speak about the in order of the king first, cause that's under the magician archetype to find a master and a sage that you study under and you become a disciple, right? But if you wanna speak about the, the king archetype, Specifically, you want to begin with that. The king archetype is the archetype which is the final archetype to really be manifested after you achieve the equilibrium of magician, warrior, and lover. The king is the head, right? But he really, for me, I believe that you should try to start from the king. 
That's why um, every session I begin with, with a young man or an older man who I uh, have a session with, we begin from the king. We contemplate over the king archetype because of the functions of the king, right? The king is very attractive to me. He's, he's to all of us, he's very attractive, actually. He's the confident. He's the brave. He is the just ruler, okay? And we see that right now in a family structure, you have a mother and a father, and you have the children who are the subjects, and the mother and father are the king and queen. Mm. The father's supposed to be the king of this kingdom. His inner kingdom, his spirit, and his outer kingdom. And he has to know the limits of his kingdom. Just like when Simba's with Mufasa, and Mufasa says, Simba, this is your kingdom, but over there, we don't go over there. He knows the limits of the kingdom. So he has to know how to rule justly in this kingdom. The shadow form of the king, unfortunately, is what we see amongst men right now. So you see, for example, the tyrant king, rampant in our different fa families in the Muslim community and all communities. You see it in the, the suave politician, right, speaking on TV. You see it in the absent father. You see it in that man who thinks he's masculine but shouts, beats his wife, whatever. The tyrant king is the one who squashes his subjects, who punishes with wrath before mercy, who is unjust, who does not apply the law of the land on himself before the kingdom. That's what a just king would do. This is the tyrant king. This is what they mean by toxic masculinity and all that. That's the tyrant shadow king. We don't want that either. In fact, that is an attack on true masculinity, hmm. right? True masculinity is against that. That's what they mean when they say patriarchy, but that's not really what patriarchy truly means. So, you know, with, with regards to everything you said, it makes sense, but I, I'm trying to also reconcile and understand because from, a, from an Islamic perspective, we have that framework for what it means to be a, 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 a man like a, a, a just man in the household to his family and wider society and we know the limits and boundaries from a psychological perspective in terms of like the the, the work of robert moore is it robert moore yes yeah George Gillette and robert moore yeah so so in terms of that framework where do they discern their um the boundaries from does that make sense the epistemology you mean uh no it, it, so in terms of like if we're looking at the king and understanding what's so, uh, from, from like a moral perspective What's the what's the framework there? Like, where's I'm I'm trying to understand where the intersection is between the psychological and the Islamic uh, okay, okay. narratives. So, of so for example, for in the Islamic narrative, what I see is who is the king of kings? The king of all kings is the prophet. No, Allah, Allah. Subhanahu wa Taala. I can edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Allah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala <laughs> is the king of kings, Al Malik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his divine name. And he has given man this opportunity to understand Al-Malik. Mm. He has given man this lordship, this kingship in his own home, in his own kingdom, in his own kingdom, right? To rule, to lead in his own kingdom, to lead by example. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how, how beautiful, how peaceful do you feel when you feel blessed by Allah? You feel special. It has psychological advantages. We see that. When someone feels blessed, how much happier they are when they lead their lives. And so, in the book, they also say that one of the functions of the king in his kingdom is to bless the subjects, to make them feel appreciated, to listen to them, right? You can see reflections of this a lot with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So, what a king is supposed to do is to bless, to appreciate, not to flatter, to be truthful, right? 
to lead with mercy before wrath. Again, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The function, the main function of the king is to provide order in the kingdom. When there's no order in the kingdom, there are riots, there's rebellion, there's pillaging and stealing. There has to be order. The king has to lay the law down, like Allah lays the law down and sends down the sharia on us. How? The guideline of how to be a great human being. The king in his kingdom must also lay down the law of his honor and nobility and dignity. He must be able to lead by example in his inner kingdom and the outer kingdom. The children must see him and follow his example. The wife must look at him with respect. And he ultimately must have self-respect. But when he is manipulative, secretive, angry, always going towards wrath before mercy, or is a weakling, because that is also a shadow form of the king, the weakling king, like King Joffrey of Game of Thrones, right? The tyrant weakling, the one who is scared, stays in his castle. He doesn't want to defend the village. He wants to just stay with his own riches, right? That's the weakling king. Mm. The king is brave, he's sacrificial, right? And we see that all throughout the different, um, you see the different movies that we, in popular culture that we gravitate towards. We see that, like, like I mentioned in Lion King, Mufasa, right? He has this, even till now, people love this character, the grandeur, the voice, the way he stands with his posture, the way he saves Simba's life and sacrifices himself for his son. That's a, is honorable, an honorable king. And, and I guess we, we gravitate towards that because on like some sort of subconscious level. That's what Carl right? Jung calls the collective unconscious because deep down we love that. And I can see it in you as you're, as I'm saying this, you're relating to it because deep down you know this is inherent in you. And in Islam, the names of Allah are inherent in us. Al-Malik is inherent. So is Al-Qawi. So is Al-Jabbar, the, the forceful and the strong. So is Al-Hakim, the judge. These are all inherent within, within us as men, as these are masculine names. And of course, there is a place for the feminine names. We have to learn the feminine names too. And that's why to marry is to complete half our deen. And why for her, it's also completion of half her deen because she has to learn the masculine names from us predominantly. We have some feminine already. She has some masculine already. But it's the marriage of the, of, of the two that brings us to Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, of the names of Jamal and Jalal, of, of the beauty and majesty of Allah, which is also the names of the femininity and names of masculinity. That's where, that's where, so if you want to see where it over, overrides, where it overlaps between the psychology that we're speaking about right here and Islam, it's within Islamic philosophy. And I would recommend people who are interest, interested in this to read the Tao of Islam, right? It speaks about the yin and yang of the names of Allah by Sashiko Murata. Amazing book, beautiful book about the feminine and masculine names of God and how they are inherent in men and women. And how as Muslims, uh, we have to come towards manifesting these names. And that's why you see, for example, right now something that is made to seem like it is dirty, like when a man and woman are together, is actually something that is very spiritual and beautiful. And it's in our tradition, in our narrations, the Imams say it's one of the best times to invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua. Right? And there are ways in which the man and woman, when they come together, the, um, the, the father or the father who wants to have a baby puts his hand on the mother's head and recites a prayer before he is with his wife for the baby to 
be born blessed with the grace of Allah. Like this is all within our tradition. People don't know about it, but it's so beautiful. And if you look at the meaning of it, when they become one, that's Tawheed. The, the oneness of the two names joining each other, mm. the masculine and the feminine at one time, right? And that's really Tawheed is the essence of our religion. The oneness and unity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the philosophy and theory, right? And that's more to do with how the two sexes come together. But um, when it comes to the masculine itself, you can see how much it overlaps. You can see just, and this is just the king, mm. let alone all the others to come. And you can see them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Rasulullah, he sends Rasulullah as the perfect example for us. He says, just follow him. And he is the complete masculine. <laughs> he is the leader. Yeah, in every in every In sense. every way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to, to keep up with the contemporary examples for, for, for the other forms as well. I hope you prepared. Um, I have not. <laughs> we'll work on some <laughs> this examples. This is off my head. But we'll, we'll work on some examples we're going, together. We're going with it, yeah. Um, so, uh, so the next one, I guess, then is, is the magician. So, so just to, I guess, summarize from my perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, but the king, as you said, is kind of the, the, um, the archetype that kind of manages everything else. It's, it's the, 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 the leadership role in terms of in our lives, with our family, with our friends, with in everything mm -hmm. that, um, that part of us. And that is also kind of in control of the magician, warrior and, and lover and, and helps with the balancing and, and mm -hmm. equilibrium of it all. And so, yes, exactly. Okay. And it's important to say that the king is the servant because some people think that when you lead, that you're supposedly on top of everyone else. Mm. That's not what the king is. The king is the servant of everyone else. The true leader is the one who serves. So this is something very important that people have to understand. To be a king is not to be a narcissist. To be a king is to completely sacrifice for everyone. And we can see that today in true leaders of the world today who sacrifice everything in order for their people to be free. Who give, right? Malcolm X was a king. And he gave his life mm. for his people. And just on an important note, Malcolm X is someone who began as a warrior, a shadow warrior, right? Shadow warrior. Detroit Red. Yeah. He was Detroit Red, right? And he went to prison and then he became a magician. He was known as Satan in prison. Yes, exactly. Imagine <laughs> from Detroit Red to Satan to becoming Malcolm X, to becoming Hajj Malik Shabazz, king. And he went magician, knowledge, right? He achieved that. And then... You see, when he went to Hajj, which is also um, a ritual, that is what the magician does. He goes towards rituals. Mm. And by the way, his sister is the one who paid for his pilgrimage to Hajj. I believe her name was Ella Collins. Mm. She was educated. She was a businesswoman. She was married, but got divorced. And something important that Malcolm said, that stuck in my head, he said, it wasn't that she was too strong, but it was that the men were too weak. Right, And this is a problem that many of the sisters face today And my sisters, I feel for you Because how can you get married in a climate Where a man cannot offer you True companionship as a husband Because he doesn't know how to be a man You have to lead him Right, As much as the sister Speaks about rights And we are with her rights That she deserves as a human being She will always want a man to take the role of the man in the relationship. She's attracted to that. And the man doesn't know how to be the man. Now, they're all just young boys. They're lost. I don't know what to do with my life. 
meaninglessness, nihilism. And that's the shadow form of the magician. The shadow form of the magician is the Joker from Batman. From Batman. The nihilist. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't care about anything. Complete chaos. There is no meaning to life. Yeah. No meaning. Khalas. Nothing has meaning. Destroy. In fact, I want to prove to all of you how meaningless life is. So you see in Dark Knight where he has the prisoners on, on one boat and he has the civilians on another boat and he wants to make them destroy each other. Mm. Right? And they say the spirit of Gotham defeated him because they wouldn't do it. But he wanted to do that to show them you know, all this morality that you speak about and justice and meaning, there is none of it. But right now we are in the age and climate where people are speaking about nihilism as if it's the way to live life right now. The norm. Yeah. The norm. There is no meaning. You see top shows like Rick and Morty which speak about there not being any meaning and multiple universes. And look, it doesn't matter if Rick or Morty dies here, the other Rick or Morty comes back and there's no real meaning to anyone losing their lives. We're just dust. We go back to dust. Like there's a, a video I saw of Richard Dawkins when he was in a school and the children were asking him, what's the meaning to life? And he said, look, the universe does not owe us any meaning. And that's just tough. But we can make meaning for ourselves. We can create meaning in our own lives through our hobbies, he says. But truly, that means there's no truth. There's no absolute truth. And eventually, you realize that you don't matter. When your hobby, when you can't perform your hobby anymore or whatever, you lose interest, what is the meaning beyond your own self? There isn't one. The magician, the mature masculine magician is the one who moves towards knowledge, towards spirituality, towards the sacred world. The one who looks for a mentor, a master, so he can be a disciple of, so he can learn from, a sage. It's like Gandalf. Right? You're doing well with the, with the examples. Carry on. Gandalf from Lord of the Rings is yeah. a magician. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's a wizard in the film, but he's a magician in the archetype. He has knowledge. When you want to know what to do, you go towards Gandalf. A wise old man. The yeah. wise old man. Frodo, yeah. the whole time, Gandalf kept coming and checking on him. He was his disciple. Right? And Sam and all the others, Gandalf kept them together. For us, we see that in what our sheikh is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a magician. My teacher, Sheikh Hisham, Hamoud, my beloved, beloved, beloved second father is a magician in every sense of the word. I see him, he sleeps two, three hours a night, wakes up in the middle of the night, does his night prayer. His whole life is service, king, service to everyone else. Knowledge, 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 and connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he taught me what it means to be, as his till now, till now. Yesterday I spoke with my little brother and I was giving him advice. My brother's 20 years old. Okay, I'm only 10 years older than him. I raised him though, but now he's becoming a man, right? And so yesterday I was telling him about something for him to improve on something. I said, look, bro, you're becoming big now. I know it might get annoying that my big brother keeps telling me what to do. I never want you to feel that way. But I do believe that you need to know that there must always be a roof above your head. If it's not me, that's fine. Let it be someone else. But there must be a roof. I have a roof in my teacher. Right now, if my teacher called me and, and it's sacred to me, Whatever he tells me, right? Even if I don't agree, I will consider to the point that I will abstain from whatever I'm doing until I consider it to the max because he's warned me about it. As small as a haircut. He said, this haircut is not good for you. I will abstain from the haircut. I have a roof. And you can see it the other day in Khabib, the UFC champion mm -hmm. Khabib, when he gave an interview, he said, look, I'm not a boss and I can never be a boss. And my father was my coach, my boss. And he always told me, when you become a boss, you're going to lose. You must always have a boss. You can never become a boss. And that's why someone like Conor McGregor, his own boss, becomes someone so profane. Because he's his own boss. He has no roof. He doesn't care. 
right? His walk, his talk, profanity. There's no, because he doesn't have, he's, uh, he's not a disciple to anyone. His coach, if anything, you, you feel like he is the boss of his coach, the way his coaches are around him, right? But someone like Khabib, look at the way that he cries for his master. That's, he's, he's, they're going towards discipleship and mentorship, magician energy, even though that's UFC and that's um, martial arts and that's warrior. So uh, I, I'm getting obviously with the last example of Khabib and everything else, this, this notion of uh, humility uh, in, in the face of, of an authority figure. Is kind that's of part of, that's part of the magician, part of this. it. Yeah, so the magician really, the functions of the magician are to go to, he's a knowledge seeker, the wisdom seeker and the wisdom giver. So the ultimate, for example, Alama Tabatabai is a great magician, a alim, great, you can see him, almost like a mystic, right? It's almost as if he has powers, right? So, and he's the one who goes to, he leads the rituals of the village, the magician, mm. okay? Usually in our societies, traditionally, we used to always have something called the sacred space. That's where everyone would go, the village people would go to the sacred space, like a tree or a stone or whatever else, the place where we do pilgrimage to in the villages, in the tribal villages, right? And the magician of the village, the guru, the wise sage, he would lead the rituals or whatever else. In Islam, right now, when I go in Shah Ramadan, when I go to lead the du'as or the prayers, or whatever, I'm right now trying to tap into magician energy. And I'm trying to help everyone tap into it together. Right? That's what we're doing. Or jama'ah prayer. Right? That's what we're doing here. We're trying, I'm trying to lead the, 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 the ritual. Or whenever we are together as, as Muslims, they say, read your du'as in congregation, for example. So we're trying to tap into the magician energy here when we're reading this ritual prayer. The, these rituals in the sacred spaces are now lost. Sacred space, now we live in profane spaces. We're in London, New York, you know, in Manhattan and, and, and in Sydney. We live in apartments, right? Small buildings, you know, built upwards towards the sky. We're not a village anymore. We don't know who our neighbors are. We don't know their names. We live, we live next to them for years and we don't know who they are. Mm. We don't have a community. Our, if you want to say Muslim community, we all live... 30, 40, 50 minutes away from each other. We meet a few times a year at the masjid. There's no real sense of, you know, real community that we all live together and share food with each other all the time. We don't have that, right? In traditional societies, some are still around in the world, some very rare, they still have that. We don't have that now. So sacred space is very important to have because that's what allows you to connect to the center of the magician archetype. So right now a mosque, tries to act as that, or a church, tries to act as a sacred space towards Christians, right? Um, nature is a sacred space. So when we go towards nature, here, where you can connect to the magician energy, we can connect to your spirituality. So to go, to go towards the ritual prayer, for example, or, or dua. But also, something that I do with my, my apprentices is to have a sacred space at home. Very important. Create a sacred space at home. A little corner where it's your own mihrab, your own prayer room, mm. right? And decorate it. Invest in it. Have a nice prayer mat, Quran stand, the prayer beads. You know, if you want to put some patterns and calligraphy on the wall, a nice candle with, with a fragrance. And then this place becomes your place of solace. When the world is chaotic, you look forward to come back to your sacred space. And all your energy is left here when you're praying here. All the time, praying in the same place here in this house so that everyone knows when we come here, that's it. Turn off the phones. We turn off the TV. This is the sacred space. We need that, right? So this is in, in the traditional societies and how we tap into the magician energy. But of course, the shadow magician right now is the one that's, that's conquering the world because the world right now is a world of meaninglessness. And 
if there are magicians, they go towards scientific knowledge before any sacred type of knowledge. This this uh, this notion of of like you said, like you know, tapping into having a space and and decluttering your mind or whatever else. I know a lot is written and said about this, but I also feel like, especially like the cities that you mentioned, New York, Sydney, and London, which are you know three of the largest kind of uh, cities full of people. Um, I was I was talking to some friends the other day, and and we were saying that you know days go three days at a time here. You, it's not it's not like the hours you know how it is like I, I will see you in a month's time and it'll be like the podcast was just two days ago but it's just how it is in fact I'll see you like after six weeks because the lockdown that we got coming in but um it's it's I, I think that it's in, increasingly difficult and this is the thing like when I'm when you're talking about this I'm, I'm trying to think and understand why why we struggle to tap into these things now number one is awareness that you know I, I didn't know that this was like a se separate archetype or faculty that that like needs but how attracted are you to it honestly don't you feel attracted of course yeah but, but this is what it. i'm saying so, so the point i was going to make is that like this this need for solace and quiet reflection and I, like like you even put it very subtly but it, it's a big thing that you know like when when there's chaos around you and like everything your head is swirling you need to kind of uh, you know re-earth yourself and like you were talking about natural spaces as well I feel like it has that impact, right? That like you can come back and like re-energize from the universe almost, right? And that's what prayer offers us as well as Muslims and, and reading Quran and Dua and everything else. But again, for me, there's like a lack of appreciation that we even need this. Like from, from us, like because we're so busy, because everything's moving so fast. Do you like, think we know? Do you think we know that we need this? Are we aware that we need it? No. We don't even know. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean, know. right? So we haven't even tapped into that level that's of... How, that's, how it's, that's how much of a crisis because, we are in. Because when you when you put it like that, I'm, I'm down. I'm like, yeah, this is sick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's, let's... But we don't even frame things in that way, right? So even like when we have uh, our rituals like prayer or even our pilgrimages or anything else... Bro, I'll be honest with you. Some of the boys that I'm doing this program with, yeah. some of them have done therapy for months years with yeah. psychologists i'm not claiming any sort of professionalism here like a psychologist or a therapist i'm none of that yeah mm. i can teach islam i can teach what i know i can teach how to be a man based on what my teacher taught me so really i'm just passing on from my teacher from his teacher his teacher they've told me their lives have changed permanently they spent so much money on all these therapists that gave them all these different types of advice i'm not saying it's wrong it's it's important but telling you exactly what they've told me several of them now and these archetypes when they've tried to manifest them this has been what they've been looking for they've been yearning for this they just didn't know that it was something that was you know ordered for them and that's the king right provides order they don't have order there's only chaos there's no order and this is something jordan peterson says a lot as well but this is part of the king archetype the order is what you need to begin with you need to have order to know exactly where to go and how to if you have all the energy in the world as a warrior, but you don't know how to get to where you want to go, you don't know the destination, you don't have a magician, you don't have king, then to hell with your energy. You know, you're going nowhere. So really, if, if we educate ourselves as men on truly how to be men, then not only we will give, give justice back to the sisters for them to finally have the companion they need again and to help them on their road to femininity, but also justice to ourselves to bring back what a man is supposed to be. And, and, and really, some of us are going through our entire lives yearning for this and never finding it.
unfortunately, and it's right beneath our noses, and we just don't know how to express it. We don't even know it exists, right? So moving on now to, you mentioned the warrior, Um, and I think this is, for me, the the one archetype that seems the most uh, apparent to people, Mm. because when you think about uh, men and masculinity and, and, you know, everything, men's health magazines, it's always guys who are like ripped bodies and biceps bulging and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it's very much geared towards this uh, very physical side of, of, um, of, of, of masculinity, mm. right? But I, I think um, it has, and, and, you know, if we talk about the shadow form or the negative of it as well, you have this kind of, um, and, and we were talking uh, on the phone yesterday. I was saying that there are there are like specific societies and groups of men who have like uh, grown because they've been rejected by women have, have have grown to hate women and focused all of their energy and effort on just going to the gym and working out and getting physically uh, buff, um, but very much have like a very obvious inequilibrium within themselves in their kind of mental state. So I guess uh, over to you to tell me more about the, the warrior mm. with, with, the pop warrior culture, is, with pop culture references. Yeah, okay. The warrior is the main problem right now. Yeah. The warrior is the problem. It's, it's um, that aggression of men that if it goes without restriction can cause a lot of chaos and which, which is what happened throughout history which is why some women hate men, just like some men hate women, right? But these, these calls to wipe out the warrior, George Gillette and Robert Moore, they say these calls are unfair. You can't just wipe out the warrior. He's there. He's in every man. You can't just vote him out, they say, right? You can't. He's, the best thing to do is to learn how to control it and to channel it correctly and use that aggression to enter into the mature masculine warrior, which can be... Uh, a great, great form for him to enter into and allow him to realize his inner king. The shadow forms of the warrior is what people really dislike. And it's one of them is the bully, right? The bully is the narcissist, really. That's the one who wants to squash everyone around him. Mm-hmm. It's different than the king is in a role of leadership, but the bully is everywhere in every uh, group, even amongst men against men. So it's not just men against women. This warrior kills men energy in men too, right? And a lot of the time, it's because he's been wounded. It's a revenge tactic, a defense mechanism. A lot of these guys that you speak about that don't like women, they've been rejected by women, as you said. They can't open up to women anymore, and that goes into the lover as well. But he has a lack of balance within him because he's wounded. Like I was speaking to you about Thanos just a minute ago. Right? And then I was like, I knew it, right? I didn't even know Thanos' backstory. And we just checked it straight away and I knew it. Oh, this is a warrior archetype. He went from the beginning, he was balanced, and then he went into the shadow warrior because he began as a pacifist and then his planet is destroyed and then he wants to now depopulate um, the earth and kill half the population. No, no spoilers, please, for people that haven't seen it yet. Oh, come on. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, Darth Vader yeah. is another one, right? He loved Anakin when he was young, taught by Obi-Wan Kenobi who was his master as a magician, right? He was a disciple. And then he uh, loves a woman, she dies, and he becomes the, slowly, the Darth Vader goes to the dark side, goes to the Sith Lord instead, right? Chooses that path instead. This is the story of our lives as men. How many men do we know? Off the top of your head right now, you can think of a lot of your friends who they have these 
ideas about women and the world, these pessimistic ideas, because they've been wounded and they come out with aggression and profanity. And they think they're so right because of experience. But I, I think for men, it's also the easiest form of defense. It is. Because it's our, it's our natural... They don't want to be vulnerable. In fact, you know what this is? This is the other shadow form, the coward. The coward is the shadow form of the warrior. The coward is the one who says, I'm the bigger man. And doesn't get into conflict. Doesn't know how to. Right? And conflict doesn't have to be a fight. Conflict can be in a standoff. And, and so physicality is important for the warrior. That's why... I believe every man should train physically. Every man should train. Just don't become obsessed with it that it becomes something that increases your vanity. But you should train. You should feel strength. You should feel your blood pumping in you. And I don't mean a little bicep curl. I mean, no, like lift. Lift how your ancestors used to lift with their legs, right? Compound movements, real strength. Doesn't matter how big your muscles are. Real strength. How many people do you know back? Like I know people in the village back in Lebanon, you know, the way in which they used to live in boulders and everything else, their forearms are so strong. And their hands are... My dad hasn't gone to the gym a day in his life. Right? But he worked with his hands. Mm. Until now, I've been gymming for 10 years. And if me and him get into a handshake, he crushes me. Right? That's, that's, that's power. Real strength. <laughs> yeah, real strength. <laughs> not, not weight strength. Yeah. Right? So, so um, it's important. Important for posture. It's very important for the man to tap into this energy. So to always chest out, shoulders back. Not like this, I don't know what to do in my life, you know, I'm just so, I don't know where I'm going and I'm scared and ah, confident. Right now, I came to this uh, interview, this, this podcast. I didn't know where you were going to take me. I sat down. I always feel nerves before a lecture. Always, before every podcast, every lecture, I feel nerves. I've been doing this for years, but I feel nervous. But it doesn't really affect me because I sit down, posture out, confident. I trust myself. Trust, you know what you're going to say You know your stuff So sit down, be confident That's warrior energy Because mm. the mature warrior is the one who has that you know, motivation Discipline, trusts himself He goes towards life 6.30am workout tomorrow morning Let's get it, let's go Right? He's that guy You need that guy People are attracted to that guy, the charisma Because they, they know, they want it, they live it Oh man, when I'm around this person, I feel it You know, when you say, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm outstanding. I'm outstanding today. I'm I'm good. I'm right. You feel it. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate it right now, but you feel this energy from someone. You want to tap into that, right? That's the mature masculine warrior. And you see that Imam Ali alayhi salam. Imam Ali, in one of the battles, I always like to mention this because people think that to be a, a good Muslim, to be humble, is always to have your head down and walking around. And that's not the case. Um, in one of the battles, after he uh, killed the enemy He walked around With his chest out And his arms back like this And then one of the companions Who hated Imam Ali He came to Rasulullah And he said Ya Rasulullah Look at Imam Ali Look at Ali Ibn Abi Talib right now Look how he's walking With arrogance And Rasulullah says Allah likes this walk right now Because it's arrogant Amongst the arrogant To be arrogant Against the arrogant ones Is needed The oppressors Be arrogant against them Don't be arrogant Against that guy In the street That swears at you you know, that, that's, not, that's nothing. That's spare change, yeah. right? Riff raff. I'm not going to get into a fight with a guy because he's looking at me on the street. You know, what you're looking at? That's beneath us. But tyrants, tyrants around the world and communities who oppress our children, our women, and our men. You know, we stand against them, right? With warrior energy. And we're arrogant against them. And to be arrogant against yourself, against your lower self. People don't think about this. Why don't you use your aggression, your warrior energy against your lower self? 
You know, when the nafs al-lawama, when it starts telling you, Satan comes, commit this sin. Hell no, I'm not going to commit a sin. Satan, you want to fight? Let's fight. Warrior energy. Right? It's not, it's not always just like, oh, I, I'm, addictions, I can't, I'm addicted, I can't stop this. No, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight with warrior energy. You can fight on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jihad, fi sabilillah. Right? Jihad al-akbar. That's why it's called the jihad. To be arrogant against the lower self. And you find that all throughout our tradition. At the same time, you see Imam Ali alayhi salam, when Amr ibn Abdul Wid is on the floor and about to die, here he's someone that does not threat, does not offer a threat now to Imam Ali. He spits at Imam Ali alayhi salam. And the famous story, everyone knows, Imam Ali doesn't kill him when he's on the ground. Right there, when he's angry, he stops. He doesn't kill him when he's angry. Because that goes into the shadow form of the warrior. Mm. He stops. He implements his magician. He implements his king. And he walks around. Then he comes back. And once he finds equilibrium, then he kills him. Right? I think it's... So, sorry to cut you off, no, but I, okay. I think it's so interesting as, as you're speaking, just thinking about um, the, the necessity for, for all of these faculties. Because it's so often that we, 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 we think about... As, uh, yeah, as, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we always think that, like, especially when it comes to things like aggression... And, and super anger. necessary as <laughs> but 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 uh, like as you say it's about it's not about learning to control or squash or suppress these things but it's just about channeling them in the right way positive masculine so so like you said, masculine. so like you said being arrogant um towards shaitan or towards your lower <laughs> exactly. self exactly allah likes the arrogance yeah he likes he wants you to be arrogant there allah likes this walk right now as he said but right? it's about it's about repurposing um, a lot of our. Ah, oh, bro! Uh, it's just so sad. People understand Islam in, in such a. One young man came to me. This is a this is a funny story. A young man came to me recent uh, last year, in a, in a community, and he's a he's a he's a lovely young man. You know, I knew him from before, but now he's suffering from a deep problem, and he's telling me, "Sayyid, I want to see you." So I had office hours. But he couldn't come to the office hours because he had no one to drop him off. So I was like, why can't you drive? He's like, I can't drive anymore. So I'm like, hmm, what's, what are you going through? So then one day his dad brought him. He's a 23, 24 year old man. He comes to the masjid. He sits down with me. I'm like, what's going on? He sits and he starts crying. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I have a big problem for the last year. I can't leave my house alone. Why? What's going on? I can't leave the house. I need someone to be with me. I can't drive on my own. I can't walk outside on my own. I'm always going through anxiety. I'm always going through all these problems. I'm looking at him and his shoulders are bent over like this and he's just looking down, he's crying and he starts telling me about his addictions, spiritual you know, problems that he has and, and addictions and he can't get over them and he feels like he's just going to go to hell. And he's such a beautiful young man. You know those people who are just so spiritual deep inside and they take any sin so seriously but he's taken it to the point where it's completely destroyed him, right? And I'm looking at him and he's waiting for some spiritual advice. And he's reading up on these legends, mystics like Sheikh Bahjat and how to be, you know, and you're 23 year old, you're trying to be Sheikh Bahjat at 70 years old. It's not easy. That's why I say Hawza can destroy young men who go to Hawza that don't know what they're getting themselves into, can destroy them when it makes you think that you have to beat Imam Khomeini at, at, at 20 years old, right? If you know what you're getting into, then it's much better for you. But spirituality can destroy you. Religion can destroy you if you don't do it right, right? And this man, young man was getting destroyed. And I looked at him, I told him, stand up. He stood up. I said, uh, open your chest up. He opened his chest. I said, stop beating on your chest. And he started beating. He's like, he's like, say it. This feels kind of arrogant. I'm like, yeah, good. Start walking around the room with your, with your hands out. And he was feeling stupid. And yes, it looks stupid. 
But it's not. He starts walking around, and I'm like, all right, bro, you're a man, yeah? Do not look down. Keep your chest out, chin up. Speak from your gut. Don't speak from here with a shallow voice. Speak from your gut. Be passionate when you speak. Be strong. I said, I want you, I'm going to give you objective every day to walk just five minutes around the house like this. And he's like, oh, I don't know. if I can. I'm like, look, five minutes, man. That's it. That's what I want from you. Five minutes. And you're going to work out every day. You're going to work out. You're going to use some dumbbells in your house. You're going to work out. You're going to pump. You're going to get some muscles. And you're going to do this. And he said it felt wrong because, you know, it didn't feel humble. And I was like, no, no, no. Do not misunderstand. We're not people who just walk around like this all the time. And you have certain personality types that maybe are more humble. That's okay. But everyone has to, not everyone has to be some brute, right? But everyone has their own body type. Everyone has their own, you know, disposition. But at the same time, we all have these archetypes in common that we need to find an equilibrium for. He messages me next day. Day after that, slowly, it began to be seven minutes, eight minutes. Then he went to the park and he came back and his mom messages me. She's like, he's a different boy. I don't know what you did to my son. A whole year he's been suffering from this. I don't know what you've done, but he's walking outside alone. Two weeks later, we have a gathering. We, every, every week we had a gathering with the, with the Shabab, the boys. He comes in like this on his own, sits down. He's putting the chairs out, giving the bottles out, confident. I'm looking at him. I'm like, sure, confidence, huh? And he's like, yeah, man. And his, his little veins coming out on his bicep, <laughs> right? And he sits down. Bro, when I tell you his mom messages me now and tells me you saved my son's life, and I'm thinking, Bro, what, what did I do? I told him to stand up and start, you know, acting like a little gorilla. <laughs> I didn't do anything. But I'm just trying to make him tap into some masculine energy. That's it. That's inside him, inside all of us. That's it. He's married now. He had an issue with finding a woman. Didn't know how to speak to a girl. Uh, a few months later. You tell him just go up to a girl and beat the chest. Yeah, and... yeah, that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Um, Remind me never to come to you for advice. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he became confident. Yeah. yeah. He became confident enough. He realized, obviously, it didn't end there. You know, it's not, it's not the, the, yeah, that yeah. wasn't the solution. There was a lot more to it. But I'm trying to give you the, the base of it was to... Tap into the warrior inside you that gets suppressed. Because you suppress it, you start going through these destructive emotions. Like this anxiety that you're going through. Look, I'm not saying I have a cure for anxiety here. But I'm saying some people, this can help them. Mm. And through experience, this has helped them. But, but I know it's even like, so for example, with things like depression, they always encourage physical activity. Yeah. Get out because emotion for... comes from motion. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know if that's a, a, a oh, nice saying or if that's actually scientific. It worked, bro. No, your body is your mind, and your mind is your body. There's something called bioenergetic therapy that I've taken part in about breathing through the body. So I've had, you know, the the still the still meditation that you sit down mm. and just don't move and breathing, and then there's bioenergetic therapy, which is your body moving and breathing in a very violent way, and this energy that just runs rampant through you. And I've done both, and they both release different emotions. And and they're both gonna be on the on the on the documentary. I was gonna that say I made you showed me the clip. Yes, of, of the you know, bio. Yeah, I did uh, it, and I started crying yeah. when I was doing it. It brought out all these emotions because the the person I was doing it with told me I have a lot of trauma in my chest, right? And as I did it, I I, I remembered a lot of memories I had when I was a child with my parents, and you know, emotions that came out of me, and ultimately gratitude at the end came out of me. Gratitude, so much gratitude though that I felt so overwhelmed by love. Mm. right from these breathing breathing exercises 
that and, and they're both very different but again i was just explaining that you know emotion comes from motion yes your body is your mind and it's a reflection of it so when your body is is, is all scrunched up yeah. right and you're all tight and and anxious then your mind's probably going to be in a very similar place but w- w- what i was saying is that these these little things don't necessarily they're not the cure no, so, of course so not. If you're if you're depressed, going for a walk is not going to heal your depression. Uh, but but there are the, these things have a very significant impact, I believe, and yeah. I've seen it as Look, well. Everyone's firsthand. everyone's different. Everyone has different uh, reasons why they're going through uh, mental health problems. Yeah. Right. So um, you can never never find a cure without you know knowing the disease and diagnosis and why it's there. So everyone has different different reasons. Yeah. Some people they need uh, medical attention. It's that's there, right? But. Uh, I see that in history, right now we have the highest rates of depression and suicide in recorded history. Why is that when we are the most supposedly advanced society, society of the human race? Yeah. People, I believe, uh, disregard the spiritual role of how they can find peace if they're going through mental health problems. I believe they disregard it too much now because as i mentioned right now in age of science the magician goes towards scientific knowledge right so sometimes they even make fun of the sacred knowledge that can assist Mm. you right whereas i'm not saying it's a taboo i'm not saying i like this movement of uh, people going towards having conversations about mental health that's important it's very important and and at the end of the day sometimes just medically incapable of helping yourself spiritually and you need that you need that 100% but you need both you need both right so you can't disregard the quran which is a you know tranquility for the hearts you can't disregard every prophet you know um yunus was in a whale for goodness sake you know and all he had to say is la ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu minad dhalimin right uh, ayub ayub prophet ayub was sick he had a disease that made his village exile him and he lost all his children lost all his wealth mm. and he says to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ilahi masanidur wa anta arhamur rahimin and i find that so beautiful he says my lord hardship has afflicted me and you are the most merciful خلص. he doesn't even say like help me he just says you know basically he said, I'm going through a difficulty and you are the most merciful. I mean, we see all the prophets, they all went through this, you know, assistance through Allah, reliance upon Allah. And and a lot of this, these archetypes, they bring you back to that reliance upon Allah. And one of the hadiths that I love the most, that is excerpt from Najul Balagha, from Imam Ali as well. And th- this means a lot to me, this one. Uh, a man comes to, to fight Imam Ali alayhi salam. And Imam Ali defeats him and has the sword towards his face. And the man asks for mercy. So Imam Ali's king energy grants him that mercy and lets the sword go. Then the man takes the sword and lifts it and puts it towards Imam Ali and says, who will save you now? And then Imam Ali says, Allah, if he so wills. He has appointed death as my guardian angel. None can harm me before it is due and none can save me when it arrives. Complete reliance on Allah, right? He says death, which is the thing everyone is scared of. He says death is my guardian angel. You're threatening me with that which is guarding me. 
I've made my peace with death, with Malik al-Mawt. You know, I'm not scared of him. I've made my peace with him. He's the one that got you threatening me with that. Allah's already appointed the time. If it's right now, then there's nothing I can do, even if I had a sword. And if it's not right now, there's nothing you can do, even if I don't have one. And of course, as these stories end, the guy drops it and, you know, <laughs> surrenders. <laughs> so just in, in the interest of time, there's, there's one more, which you've, you've touched on a little bit. Um, and, and this is the, the, yeah. the lover. This is the one that I have the most difficulty with. And, and I was going to say, I feel like, um, again, with, with men today and a lot of what we've often seen, you know, from our parents' generation, for example, as to how we've been raised and how, how the man is in the household and whatever else. There's this um, this kind of stoicism almost of like not wanting to be open with our emotions and and with 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 that side of things it's very difficult for men. Um, so I, I guess yeah. In in the last sort of ten or so minutes, tell me about the the, the lover. Sure. Um, if you think about Fight Club, Fight Club, Fight Club, okay. Edward, Edward Norton and Fight know Club. Didn't we were going right? there. Gone. Yeah. Good good film. Because he, Edward Norton is the the shadow lover in Fight Club, timid, shy, mm. right? Uh, he's a loser. He tries to be good, but he's, he tries to be good to everyone at work and everywhere else, and he seeks companionship, but he's just a big loser, right? He tries to do things the right way. He has to join these groups, you know, the alcoholic groups, just to have friends, just to speak to someone. He's shunned away from society. You know, the, the whole idea of um, nice guys finish last, right? The shadow form. Mm. Then he meets Tyler Durden, the super alpha. And he really, Fight Club is a story about masculinity, really. It's about young boys that try, want to be men. That's how he rounds up all these young men and brings them and, you know, he basically makes them tap into the warrior energy, but that's all he brings them, right? He, he uses the Joker chaotic energy as well to round them up and go and start destroying the town and, and rioting and rebelling mm. and kidnapping people. So look at, he's using shadow forms of the masculine to attract because they still they're still attractive they're still attractive of course they're yeah. still attractive they're easy and they're attractive and you want to just feel that power you know even all of us get an urge sometimes to tap into that the, the joker the trickster where you just want to just destroy chaos absolute chaos you get that sometimes you know and you know that you, you shouldn't do that that's what your mature magician stops you from doing that right but some people don't have that mature magician mm. so uh, Edward Norton starts going towards that. And I don't want to ruin Fight Club for people. If you haven't watched that, watch that. It's a classic. You've already ruined uh, Avengers. You might as well just go for it. No, no, no. Fight Club, something <laughs> else. Yeah. Um, so the the lover really is the one who loves life, passion, you know, vividness. Loves life. Loves living life. The energy of life. The pure, you know, he when he sees that leaf in autumn dropping from the tree, it brings a tear down his eyes, Right. This is the one who right now we are shamed to be. We're shamed to be this lover. He is very spiritual, the lover. The magician is ritualistic. The lover is very spiritual, right? He enjoys life, the passion of life, the joys of life. He really feels it. And right now we, we, we perform for people to the point that we are not allowed to be the lover. Or we try to, because we seek so much validation from the feminine, a lot of these men instead of competing amongst each other as they usually did in traditional societies, uh, they kind of pull out of the competition and they become allies with these women, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. So they can seek validation and then hopefully they get a chance to be with this lady, right? So a lot of these men kind of uh, 
went against the grain and what they do is they go towards a lover but they leave behind very pivotal parts of what the masculine and mature lover is right and they become a, a feminine lover completely we are trying to learn the feminine through the lover but we have to do it in a masculine way right so this is when we tap into our feminine side and it's very important to um, amongst the muslims we're told we can cry in a dua with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we can't cry normally and this makes us suppress our emotions and suppress Just our to happiness. To be clear, you mean that culturally rather than culturally, Islamic, yeah, right? yeah, culturally. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, who said that we can't cry? Hmm. Uh, Imam Ali Islam says about the man. He says, "Silahu buka." His weapons are his tears. What he was known as Bakka. He was a Bakka. He was a crier. He was a he was a, someone who wept a lot, a weeper. Back we use that same name, like a crybaby, as a as a put down, right? Exactly, <laughs> as a put down. You're a crybaby. Right? Yesterday, my father was telling me, he looked at me, he said, Me and you, uh, your mom calls us bakka'in, uh, people who cry a lot. Right? I'm, I'm, I, I say it with, with no shame. I cry a lot. I, I have to cry every week. If I don't cry, there's, you know, there's something wrong. And when, you, when I cry, I like to, to feel that cry, to, to, to truly feel it, not just, and, and you know, the tear comes out, but you know, when you feel that and it makes you feel uh, lighter when you cry. Mm. And, and in, in our tradition, we said the one who can't cry, it's a sign of a hardened heart, right? So we have to, even if you can't cry, try to cry, they say, try. Because, you know, it's, it's something that is very recommended to soften the heart. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm a good lover. I'm not. I have a, a, a personally, this is for me the hardest uh, archetype to tap into because um, I find myself a lot of the time going to the shadow forms of, of, of the lover. Um, Which are? The, there's the impotent lover as one. The impotent lover is the one who rejects this this passion of life he rejects this vividness uh this this beautiful energy of life for many reasons it can be because he's wounded it can be for several other things i realized for me it became about when i started taking life so seriously mm. and see it doesn't mean that you could be doing a wrong thing you could be trying to do the right thing and still go into the shadow form so in my mind i'm doing the right thing by you know always having a plan always moving forward always uh, being someone who wants to help or serve or do something or, you know, learn from my teacher to always work, work for the community, work for the akhirah. But what happened is I find myself sometimes just waiting for the akhirah. And then you completely reject life and the beauty of life and the love of life. So then you don't appreciate the love of your parents and the love of your wife and the love of your kids. You know, it's almost as if there's something inside you that tells you dunya, bad. Completely bad. Whereas that's not entirely the case maybe when i listen to lectures and i misunderstood when i was younger and dunya is the prison of the believer yes it is but at the same time allah wants to see you enjoying the blessings he gives you in this dunya right don't get addicted to money and and family don't get addicted to them but enjoy them enjoy them the prophet enjoyed them the prophet said there are three things I love in life. I love Salat, I love Tib, and I love Nisa. Prayer, fragrance, perfume, and women. They're, in life, these are enjoyable to him. That means there must always be something that the lover enjoys, that he does, that he enjoys, that he loves. So you can't reject the, the beauty and passion of life. Even if you, you think that you get into a routine and you're trying to balance the warrior, magician, and king and so you reject the lover, that doesn't work that way. Mm. There's also the addicted lover, right? The one who wants too much validation from the woman or from the feminine, 
or from life. So he jumps from one woman to the next, to the next, to the next. As soon as she becomes vulnerable with him and shows him some of her emotion, and you know, he calls it drama, then he moves on to the next woman, and the next, and the next, and he never really falls in love. And then if it's not a woman, it's a, a mission. You know, he wants to travel somewhere. And when he goes to this place, he'll be happy. Or when he does this one thing, he'll be happy. And he's never ever happy. He's addicted, addicted lover. This is a huge problem in all people as well. M women as well as men. Yani. But the man faces it in validation from the feminine as well as life. So the impotent lover and the addicted lover are shadow forms of the lover. And the masculine lover is the one who is able to truly come and maximize the pleasure of life, of course, within the bounds, right? But maximizes it. You like to be with your friends, your brothers, your companions? Be amongst them. Camaraderie is important. Have a night where you go see them. Don't be guilty. It's okay to take a night off. Hassan, it's okay to take a night off, you see? I have to tell myself that sometimes when I see myself going into that shadow form, when I start feeling kind of sad. And I remember, I haven't seen my friends in a long time. What did I say to you when I first came into the studio today? When you all were standing there together? I Just said, tell him you're an inspiration. Thank you so much for being in my life. <laughs> Aside from that. <laughs> can't remember. I said, it's how nice is morning. it that you all get to see each other every day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a reason why I said that. Mm. Right? Because I don't get to see my friends all the time. And that makes me go into impotent lover mode. And I have to bring myself out of that. So I have to go see my friends. Mm. Right? Everyone has their own thing. Some people, you want to play FIFA a little bit? Play FIFA. It's okay. Just make sure you don't go in too much into this video game. You know, but if this is what you want to do, just to have a little bit of pleasure, it's healthy for you. It's good for you to go into, to tap into this masculine energy. Of course, I, I don't recommend a video game. You know, I personally don't. Yeah. Um, I've done my best to stay away from, from FIFA this year. Even though my, my brother's playing it in front of me and I really want to, <laughs> you know, play. And it's for my own personal reasons because I know that if I start playing it, I'm just going to get too into it and I'll just waste time. I don't want to waste time. But, you know, so that, that's aside. But for, for everyone else, you know, that's your thing. That's your thing, right? I, I think what's, what's really interesting about this, now that we've kind of gone through all, all the four, is that like even when you're talking about the, the, the lover or the warrior or the magician or whatever else, what's really fascinating for me at least, and I don't know if other people resonate with this, but like n none of them feel complete without the others. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like if we, if we take magician, for example, there is all of that, but you still need that warrior energy. Yeah, because the magician on his own is a nerd. And, and <laughs> but but like you said like, like you said as well just now about the lover that um you you can't uh you can't just do this no. uh you're not a good king without a lover you know but like it, it, nothing's it's, it's it's really fascinating because yeah it's beautiful there's like a like we said right at the beginning there needs to be that equilibrium between between all of these and i can kind of see as we've been going through them that like in isolation, when you take each topic, you can understand the, the, the equilibrium in a silo of the warrior state, right? And you can see the shadow or the negative forms and, and whatever else. But the warrior is not a, a man. The warrior is, is a man, but it's not the man, no. if you know what I mean. On his own, the bully, the narcissist, and, the, and the coward. But, but the, the kind of faculties all merged together. Mm. To create is, is what you altogether. need exactly you need all of them mm. and i'd really recommend if you're interested to read king warrior magician lover and there's a whole philosophy behind this you know yeah and i love to combine this with islamic knowledge and i see how much it fits and um if you want to end on this note of the, the beautiful story of imam ali salam when he is the khalifa and he sees a woman who's cursing ali Abi talib he comes across a lady a widow who starts cursing Ali in front of Ali. 
She said, this Ali, she doesn't know it's him. She said, this Khalifa Ali, he sends people to war. My husband died in the war. Now my children are orphaned and I'm a widow. And Ali, he doesn't tell her that he is Ali. Look at the, the masculinity here, the honor, the dignity, the king, the mercy. Instead, he goes and starts helping her at home. He helps the children. He helps them with food. He takes care of them, takes care of that family. After several days of him hearing about how bad the Khalifa Ali is and not revealing that it's him, she finds out that it was him. And she is humbled by this merciful, true man who teaches us what it means to be a man. Not the angry, violent, shouting, muscle bro, but the honorable, the noble, the dignified, the merciful, the knowledgeable, the spiritual, the loving, and the kind. That's what it means to be a man. As you said, I don't think we can we can end any better than that. Thank you very much uh, for your time. Inshallah, let's do this again before you before you leave us. Um, but let's see. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, so that was my uh, chat with Sayyid Hussein. Um, I, I thought, to be honest, it was it was really fascinating. It, it's something that when you think about masculinity, um, like we said very early on in the conversation, I think notions of masculinity are quite skewed in today's world. Um, and, and a lot of people don't really give a lot of thought to what it means uh, to to be a man and, and like you know the, the 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 four different sort of archetypes that he he delves into and as I said when I was doing my kind of research beforehand uh, there seems to be a whole body of work on this which I was just completely oblivious to and I'm sure a lot of people are and I think for me and I'm sure for others this this conversation uh, is a nice kind of entry point into this whole world of understanding these notions but also hopefully a sort of catalyst to further reading and exploring and everything else so um, I hope you, you you found the conversation beneficial um, if you have any feedback thoughts anything else feel free to drop me an email we've actually had uh, a couple of emails in the last few weeks with people suggesting uh, ideas and topics and giving feedback so uh, it's really helpful to be honest to, to just know what kind of people what kind of things people enjoyed in terms of content and everything else um so thank you guys for for getting in touch um and yeah that's it finally uh if you do enjoy the tmv content that you're listening to obviously i mentioned at the beginning subscribe but also um do consider supporting our work the link is at the top of every episode description i believe um oh, it's a firework it's quite nice actually i have a view of just fireworks outside my window um, as I'm recording this but sorry getting sidetracked yeah what I was saying is um, support the Muslim vibe um, any amount as, as small as you like um, but on a regular basis really would go a long way to helping us um, in the long run to create more content to grow our team and everything else and that's that's it thank you guys and we'll see you again next week inshallah <laughs>